Welcome to the iSoftPole Main Course Podcast, where we get straight to the point, the meat and potatoes. Now let's dig in. So iSoftPole is an authorized reseller of Equifax. And so we make software for small to medium-sized businesses, some, some even publicly traded companies that want to leverage Equifax's data into their, into their systems. And maybe you can tell us a, a little bit about how Equifax, the relationship with resellers and why you guys have resellers. Oh, certainly. Yeah. So Equifax, we, we've, we've had a really strong partnership with, uh, with resellers and, uh, and not just resellers, just partners uh, in general. And a lot of what that enables us to do is to have a much broader reach than we would be able to on our own, uh, with, especially with uh, various capabilities, uh, you know, such as what you guys provide to the market uh, that would enable the data to be, um, I guess, leveraged uh, for decisioning in, in ways that uh, we, may, uh, we may or may not be able to have that similar level of reach. So it really gives us a bit of scale uh, in terms of distribution of, of data. And, and of course, data is the driving um, aspect. Uh, behind uh, making the most, uh, I guess, intelligent decisions that uh, that our customers are trying to do. Sure. And for those that are just tuning in, uh, we have Tom Aliff from Equifax. He's the risk consulting leader over there at, at Equifax. So give us a background about what, what you do at Equifax and, and what the risk consulting leader at Equifax does. Sure. Yeah, so I, I guess I came from a data science background, which kind of set me up, uh, you know, in order to uh, to help uh, generate and provide the service, uh, you know, to the market. And uh, you know, so you know, very heavily steeped in in uh, all things data. And a lot of our customers, uh, you know, you know, really, you know, when the when the pandemic started, uh, there was major concern over what's happening in the economy. You know, we saw things like uh, unemployment, uh, you know, jumping to twenty percent within within a week. Uh, there were, you know, elements of uh, you know, what was going to be the downstream uh, risks associated with, uh, I guess, consumers being able to to pay off their debt uh, in, in a timely manner. And we uh, we started launching this as as part of an advisory based uh, capacity uh, to enable, um, I, I guess, no matter what would happen in the economy, uh, to enable the the data to be uh, provided and uh, placed. To be analytically, um, you know, considered, and then also put into an operational environment to uh, to make decisions. So we work, you know, across uh, across the board in terms of uh, various various lenders and service providers. You know, for all the way from the largest banks down to you know, small credit unions, mobile phone, pay TV providers, uh, to help them understand, like, uh, I guess what what's happening with a core credit decision, and what are all the peripheral elements that they need to make. Uh, in order to uh, address, you know, new ways to do uh, pre-screening, uh, you know, with with a new digital environment, new ways to do underwriting, uh, and and new considerations that might uh, that might occur, uh, you know, via those different channels, incorporating things like employment and income verification, and then all the way down through, uh, you know, through to different uh, and new mechanisms uh, to be able to manage portfolios, uh, you know. You know, today with with the, the very heavy changing uh, cost of living, both from an income side as well as uh, a debt payment side, there's a lot of considerations for the portfolio as well as uh, potential collections that uh, that could come that really require uh, you know, a, a more dynamic level of thinking as it relates to risk. And that's really what we're trying to provide to the market. Sure. So being in the risk department and kind of having, you know, a dedicated career in that path, what kind of trends or um, insights do you have over consumer behavior now that, you know, the pandemic has happened and inflation and people are shifting behavior to online. Can you give us some background or maybe some insights that we not, we might not have access to? 
Oh, certainly. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I think I, I have a, a great opportunity to speak with uh, many uh, industry leading economists and, and gain a lot of their perspective. Now, I don't claim to be an economist, but, uh, you know, whenever they speak to me, they'll tell me the glass is either half full or half empty. And that doesn't really remove uncertainty. Uh, but what we try to do is regardless of whether or not that glass is half full or empty, we, what we want to be able to pr- uh, provide is the relevant data to address uh, whatever situation may arise. Uh, you know, as a part of that. So the things that we've seen and what I've heard, uh, to sum it up in one statement, I would say that this still is, you know, even with that uncertainty, the healthiest credit environment that we've experienced. But there are a lot of hidden risks, uh, but massive opportunities that exist, uh, you know, in the, on the lending front. And, and the economic considerations, you know, we're thinking, you know, we're hearing all of these things about volatility with job changes, both from an, uh, you know, in, involuntary and voluntary perspective. Uh, you know, with, with fuel and energy and used cars leading the way for, for inflation, it's really been 8%, uh, you know, uh, month over month, uh, this entire year so far. Rental and housing costs elevated across all markets, you know, and, and with the, you know, the, uh, the global supply chain crisis, we've seen a negative, uh, negative GDP. And, and I'm not sure where things are forecasted to come in for second quarter, but, uh, my expectation is that it would likely be very similar to that. Um, you know, in terms of uh, the, all, all of those things, it, it does raise concern for disposable income uh, that a consumer would have to be able to pay off their debts. And then uh, the last thing on top of that we're hearing is interest rates. You know, interest rates continue to rise. And so how do we, how do we continue to remain in this environment where there's a lot of demand for credit, uh, but the cost is, uh, it has been you know, going up uh, you know, more as well? So when we think about the credit trends and, and what have been occurring, you know, if we look at look back over the last two years, all asset classes have really had healthy low risk uh, origination growth. You know, with all this, all the things that occurred from uh, you know government stimulus uh, you know putting in place account accommodations. Uh, what we've observed is that the stimulus was the main driver in terms of increasing credit profiles. You know, consumers were migrating out of subprime credit into near prime and prime and qualifying for. Uh, you know, type of opportunities that they had never really may, may not have had the opportunity in, in the past. But every asset class has had growth uh, above the 2019 level. You know, and we, there was a dip down in 2020, but it's really returned. The only exception uh, I would say is private label retail cards, and and that has gradually been losing share. Uh, you know, one of our hypotheses is the the massive growth that we're observing in the the buy now pay later uh, market, as well as some of the pivots and shifts into other. Uh, types of uh, uh, other types of lending vehicles, uh, you, know, you know, such as online fintech. Um, and you know, you know, I, I guess when we think about the credit score increase, it's been about a 14 point increase on average, and that's one of the, you know, I guess since the beginning of the pandemic, and that's one of the largest increases we've ever seen. The subprime share of the market has shrunk from 26.2 percent to 19.8. Uh, you know, consumer debt levels, you know, really continue to grow and be at an all time high. And, and what that does when I mentioned the interest rates, uh, they're, they're, and, and rising income volatility, uh, debt obligations are going to become more difficult to pay, uh, you, you know, during that time. Uh, and, and anything that's a variable asset, uh, variable rate asset class, like a credit card, there's going to be different, uh, levels of payments, uh, you know, that, that occur in that space. Now, in the subprime sector in particular, we're starting to see a rise in utilization in credit card, which is oftentimes Seems to be a leading indicator for uh, you know if there there could potentially be some form of uh, trouble uh, you know uh, you know around the corner you know we're seeing the student loan moratorium uh, lurking and and if that's going to come out of uh, um, you know the administrative forbearance in September that's 1.7 trillion dollars in debt that will also be infused into the market uh, and you know in, in in terms of like delinquencies 
uh, you know, most languages are still holding uh, true about where they were in the 2018 levels. And you know, 2018 was starting to elevate. The, the one exception where things have gotten uh, a little bit more uh, impacted is in subprime auto. Subprime auto had, you know, really has had an all, uh, all-time high for delinquencies plus write-offs, if we look at the most recent sample. Uh, but, you know, keep in mind that, that, uh, that the subprime population has been shrinking. So even though there is that risk and, uh, uh, of that segment, overall, the market is still growing in, in a healthy, uh, you know, total uh, perspective. You know, the most impacted consumer segment is going to be anyone that has, you know, low income, hourly wage earners, you know, those experiencing subprime credit, despite stimulus and accommodations still, and even those that were not able to obtain a mortgage uh, during that time to get that fixed payment, um, you know, know, in in terms of the the overall, uh, I guess, consistency of uh, debt obligations, you know, compared to where they were pre-pandemic. Sure. So that's a, that's a lot to impact there. So what I'm what I'm hearing from you is we're still in a healthy market. People have these looming considerations like, I mean, from an employer's perspective, salaries have increased drastically, right? The the demand for uh, to employ people, a guy guy coming out of college, it's hard to hire a sales guy for eighty grand a year, right? They, they want more of that as their first time sales gig, right? If rental markets, I'm seeing even in Chicago, I read a an article the other day that now people are, there's website shooting up for people to bid on like the ask. It's, it's now kind of like an asking price for a rental, kind of like in the, uh, in the home sales space, right? Where landlords are saying, I want three grand a month for this. And multiple tenants are saying, I will pay more. And it's driving up. It's almost a bidding war, right? And then you have this inflation, uh, every, gas is really expensive. Everything is more expensive. And so there's all these looming considerations. And in the backdrop of that, we, a lot of us have, oh, the financial crisis that we went through, you know, 15 years ago or so. Um, is that going to happen again? So you have all these considerations, just a normal consumers thinking about all this. But what we're, what I'm hearing you say is that still credit is good. People's credit scores are good. Did I hear you say it's 14 points up? On average, is that? That's right. Yeah, and, so, and we've not seen we've not seen uh, you know we've not seen any sign of that necessarily deteriorating just yet. Outside of the fact that sub anyone who's still experiencing subprime, uh, you know, of course, with all the stimulus, and if they were not able to elevate their credit status during that time, there 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 are uh, many reasons for that, like low income, rent price uh, increases, sure. etc. Yeah. So. With all that in mind, how do you how does Equifax see the shift in behavior, and how do you guys analyze that? Where and to kind of and I'll posture this conversation. Let's talk about specifically online uh, purchasing, right? So COVID, I think, kind of sped up things, kind of like the iPhone did back when they came out. I believe it was two thousand seven. People shifted onto the phone. People started buying online. Amazon used to just sell books when I was in college, and now you're buying your milk on Amazon, right? And so how does that relate to consumer lending, not only just in the mortgage space, but let's roll through a few different niches that you might be able to speak about and consumers buying things online. Yeah, totally. Uh, And I would say you you hit the nail on the head with that because, uh, uh, you know, know, COVID really ramps up everything digital. And that's every experience that we have. Every you know, you talked about uh, you know the you know even even bidding for uh, like a, a rental property. Uh, there there are so many things that are happening like that where demand is up as well as supply. 
And so consumers have a lot of options now, specifically through a digital channel. And you know, even even if you uh, you know, say if we go back, you know, many years ago, you you could typically only get like a, a you know a, you know some type of credit through uh, through a local institution, uh, for example, and it had to be in person. And you know, I I I, I like I said, I, I travel uh, you know meet with you know large banks, you know, all the way down to small, and I met with a community bank, you know, here in Georgia about uh, this is you know three or four months ago. And they even shared that uh, their growth and, and experience is all online. And they're hoping to, uh, you know, if we, if we look back at them just three years ago, every loan that they originated was via the branch. Now they've migrated and, uh, and within the next year or two, they're going to be 50%. And, and that is a really interesting statistic, specifically for a community bank that you know, gains new membership and new, um, I guess, new, new customers via you know, relationships, via uh, you know, knowing people. But now they're, they're having to have, uh, I guess, you know, slightly different uh, level of experience. And, you know, and, you know, you, you mentioned like, uh, you know, that, that's like community banking. They're, they're doing that. FinTech, of course, has been driving a lot of the, you know, I, I guess the mechanisms because it, it became a very easy uh, pathway for consumers to, uh, to gain credit, specifically making it frictionless, uh, you know, making things like if you had to have your employment and income verified, for example, uh, you, you used to have to take in pay stuff. Now those are automated systems. And we provide a lot of that, uh, that level of, uh, you know, uh, you know, quality of information and data at scale. Uh, and so I think as you as you move across the you know the various components, you know consumers can apply for credit uh, across you know many different institutions to find what works best for their needs. Uh, and you know, and and they're you know continuing to get hit up with uh, with various levels of, of marketing offers uh, you know that have existed as well. So you mentioned the community bank, and I assume that these community banks, I mean maybe some of them have in-house developers and full-on tech stacks in there to build out these resources to. Um, to process these loans all online, right? But if you could put your entrepreneur cap on and maybe you're in the solar space, maybe you're a dentist, right? How does Equifax support these businesses that want to start processing loans online, right? Um, Obviously, you guys have an API with us, but have you seen uh, these small businesses wanting to get into this market that's usually reserved for the big players like American Express getting pre-qualified online? Like, how have you seen the, the shift in focus or the shift in behavior from small businesses to want to compete in this online marketplace? Yeah, so definitely. I mean, there's there's absolutely the the need to do that. Uh, specifically, uh, you know, there's there's ways. You know, if you're thinking about you know very small businesses, what do they have? How can they how can they do that? Uh, or even um, you know those that are lending to them. Uh, and there, there's all you talked about these various tech stacks. And when I think about those, it's like you either build, buy, or partner. Uh, and uh, and in the, in those cases, uh, building is, is oftentimes the the longest pole in the tent. Like you know, take you know technology prioritization. You know, I mean, it it takes years many times. And so that like where you know for anyone who wants to move fast, you know either you know, make a purchase or partner uh, with an organization that uh, that can get to scale. And that's what we're seeing. And, and a lot of the pivot, like you mentioned, with API calls to you, that's 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 the, the way that. Uh, uh, I, I would say most organizations are, are pivoting in terms of you know getting getting data via API and making the, the various callouts into uh, into various decision systems. But yeah, the the fastest way to do it is absolutely to either uh, you know, you know have, have some buy or partner level uh, type of arrangement. Yeah, and so have you seen a lot of these businesses pop up or or utilize these um, lend? I don't want to say lending tree, but there's a few companies out there that are like offering to finance for these online like Shopify's, right? And I'm seeing like a, I think, 
what is that? Affirm? Have you heard of Affirm? I think they're like a loan payment system that um, small businesses can tap into and they, they actually give the loan. Like that's one example, I think. Yeah, it is. And, and, that's, and, and that's, that's oftentimes how, I, how I've seen it uh, really operating is that you have, uh, you have an entity like that, a lender that, that reaches out and uh, is, the, uh, is the conduit, I guess, to the various merchants uh, that, that exist in the market. Uh, and then so the merchant works with these, uh, these various you know, online lenders who have the, the tech and system. And, and that's the, the partner relationship that I was referring to because they can, they can be the platform for many and then uh, be the, the call out uh, you know, from a many data source perspective as well. Because, you know, you know of course, we, I, I'd love to you know, talk about how, how strong Equifax's data is, but I know that there's a lot of data in the market. And that's one of the things we talk about through risk advising is that uh, you want to get the best data you can uh, to, make, to make the decisions. And if it happens to be ours, great. And, and, and most of the time it will be. Uh, but we, we were very, uh, I guess, very oriented in terms of uh, pulling in all the right elements to, uh, that, that really help uh, maximize, uh, maximize your information, but also uh, you know, minimize the, uh, you know, the uh, diminishing marginal returns by having to buy many different sources. Sure. And then talk to me about some of these unique products. So I'm a, let's just say I'm, I, I'm a widget factory and I want to start financing my widgets online, right? Does Equifax have some products that help with identity verification or like, I'm no, in other words, I'm no longer going to see John Doe come by and finance this widget in front of me and shake his hand and get his driver's license. Like how does Equifax facilitate the, the online transaction as a whole, not just checking the credit, but there's a lot more diligence that needs to be done. Is there any products that you guys have there? Yeah, so a lot of a lot of where we focus is around identity, uh, and 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 there's there's a lot of other you know you know capacities to that, but uh, you know to you know to keep it a little short, it is it's mainly based on identity. And is that person uh, who they say they are? Is that a synthetic ID? Uh, and and a lot of that is driven by if you think about the amount of uh, data that we have coming into us. Uh, you know, the, I, I like to think about uh, data in terms of like what is the smallest uh, you know component that it could be. And, or how could it be reported as an identity? And so typically we, we get, uh, I mean, we have uh, in our database over 500 million people, places, and things. So think about that as like, uh, you know, we have information on consumers, uh, you know, spanning their, uh, their, uh, you know, their credit environment, spanning their mobile phone and pay TV, uh, type of payments, their employment and income, uh, you know, type of, uh, you know, identity based records. And we, what we can do then is, uh, you know, the, the more information that comes together on those, you get a, a I guess, a, a much solid picture over does that consumer exist? Are they, is that an ID that's, uh, that's real? Uh, and, uh, and, and of course, there's a lot of peripheral services. Uh, but, it, but that, that, that's how we really launched into a bit of, uh, in, into that capacity. And then we also have, we also have a, a, you know, company that we acquired, uh, you know, named Count uh, that that provides a lot of uh, you know, I guess, detailed services in the in the fraud and identity uh, you know tech space. Sure. And so, where does um, I mean, my belief is, I mean, here comes you know Dan's opinion, right? Now, this is just one Dan's opinion, <laughs> um, is that we haven't seen it, in, we haven't seen digital purchasing in full effect. Like, I think that this is just the tip of the iceberg. Um, I talk a lot about automation, right, and where that's going. But I think that you're going to buy a car. It's going to get delivered to your house. That, that's already happening. Like, you won't actually have to go to the house to buy the house. You can just see it all virtually. 
right? These are these things that were happening more and more. And I think that the shift in com- consumer behavior, though it was uh, sped up by COVID, I don't think that we're all the way there yet, right? And so where do you see online um, digital purchasing five years, 10 years? Do you, do you have any insights or does yeah. Equifax have any opinions there? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I, you know, not being an economist, I, 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 can, I can say the things that I hear, I guess. Uh, but for, for me, uh, you, know, we, you know, we absolutely like, you know, just, just looking in the past, you know, one of the known uh, things that's really, you know, you know, starting to drive, like if we look at used car prices, for example, a lot of that was driven up by the, uh, you, know, you know, the market was, the market was dry from uh, a new car because there were so many shortages of parts, so many shortages of things like chips. Uh, and and when, we, when you talk about the chip shortage, that doesn't mean we didn't make enough. There were more chips made last year than any other year by a dramatic amount. Uh, you know, however, those chips are then being supplied into other things. So, you know, you know, you know, when you drive a car and you have like the, when it shuts off at a stoplight, uh, you know, that, you know, where that exists, that, that part is, was, was starting to not be used in some, uh, vehicle, uh, production lines just because so they could, they could get more vehicles out because the demand was still so high. And, uh, and, and then, you know, without the new vehicles, uh, being available as, as quickly, the used market was, was up. And so I, you know, and, and a lot of that, you know, when we think about the amount of things people were buying online, we already saw that trend. And that a lot of that is, you know, what's, what's, you know, uh, you know, in consideration when we think about the supply chain, you know, type crisis is when you don't have enough of things, uh, even, even if it was more than before, it, it creates some of that, uh, some of that shortage. So th- that, those are the elements that I think are going to have to be, uh, that I'm hearing need to be thought about is like, where, where does supply chain come? How does it exist? And, uh, are we able to, uh, produce enough, uh, you know, uh, things? That uh, you know enabled people to buy the uh, you know buy where they want because demand is demand is way high uh, and and I think that uh, you know a lot of that having been driven by uh, by the online sector and a lot of the you know transportation like so if we if we think about that where it's almost like a, a shift when you buy something online it moves it from uh, being uh, myself doing the I guess the pickup and delivery for to someone else doing that and so it, it, is there enough in the in, in that type of uh, that type of work as well. Uh, you know, to be able to uh, enable those things to happen. But I, I, I don't, I, I, you know, I personally do not see it going backwards in terms of uh, that experience. I think, I think people, um, you know, really got, uh, I guess, used to and comfortable, even, even for those who may have had like a fear of buying things online, you know, they're, they're starting to, you know, to do those things and, and see that it's not, uh, it's not really, you know, as bad. Of course, there's always going to be those that are leading the way, you know, you know people who've been buying things online for many, many years. Uh, but that, that trend is becoming uh, much more pervasive, especially as you, as you end, uh, you get, you know, I guess the you know, younger uh, people who, who you grew up on, you know, uh, you grew up completely on the internet and know, know nothing else. Sure. Yeah. And so these businesses, I like to think about it, you know, right when the internet first launched, um, it was like buying a domain name and there were so many domain names available. And then it, it became that your business had to have a website. Right. I think there was a time, I don't know when it was, but there was a point, there was a period of time when businesses like you don't have a website, like you're not a business if you don't have a website. Right. And, and now I believe that we're going to, there's going to be a time when not only do you have to have a website, but your website has to be able to perform and conduct business on that website and, and consummate the loan on that website. Because people don't want to meet anymore. I think consumer behavior is changing to the extent that some people don't even want to talk. It's like, the best way to call me is to text me. <laughs> you know, um, on my answering machine, it says, 
you know, hey, you've reached Dan, text me, right? And so people aren't engaging. They're engaging in different ways. Behavior is changing. And I think one of the things that businesses are going to need is to have a shopping cart on their website to fulfill their loans. And they're going to need to check credit on their website. And these businesses don't have the resources or the tools to build that full tech stack. And that's where the relationship between Equifax and iSoftball comes in, where we leverage your data and your fraud products and your insights and use our tech stack and deliver that to the marketplace so these small mom and pop shops can use that and fully facilitate their loans online. And I think that's the point of this podcast is to just talk about how consumer behavior is changing. People are going online. It's going to be more and more and more. And, and pretty soon you're going to have to be able to do it, not just online, but from your phone. You know, you're going to need to be able to fully consummate that loan on your phone. And you're just a small business, right? Um, we're seeing that more and more with reservations being online. If you want to book a reservation, um, you just you don't call anymore. You do it on your phone, right? If you want to order food, uh, you don't just call Pizza Hut and say, you know, deliver my food. Now you have DoorDash, right, right on your phone. And so how can these small mom and pop shops that are not developers engage and compete in the business with these am- with these Amazons and these marketplaces, these the Carvanas of the world, right? Um, yeah. So I think it was, this was a good, good podcast. Do you have any closing comments, Tom, on, on anything or anything you'd like to add? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't, uh, I can't express enough. Like where you were uh, when you were when you were describing the, you know, the the business and the shift in the business. Uh, what's funny about that? What's uh, what I what I believe the trend is happening is that the uh, you're almost like your storefront is now your website, uh, and so the uh, and it's like the and it matters almost more than your storefront uh, in terms of that that how that happens. And in the age of Twitter and TikTok. Uh, you've got, if you don't get the information, I think it's what, what's the stat, like seven seconds. If you don't say, uh, what you're saying, why you're saying it, and why it's important to that person, uh, you know, same thing with making a credit decision. It's like, if it's not done, uh, fast, it's uh, the customer experience is, is, is drained. So, uh, you know, you know, customer experience is, you know, is such a, uh, important aspect. And I think, you know, you know, seeing what you guys do, uh, you know, through that aspect, you know, specifically with, with enabling that, that call out. You know, putting in the you know the uh, the ability for you know consumers to get pre qualified. Uh, it's it's very customer centric. You know, consumer centric uh, in in a way that uh, enables them to you know to you know, I, I ideally find you know the the right lending opportunity you know for whatever their needs might be at this time. Sure. Well, thanks for coming on, Tom. Um, really appreciate you once again. This is Tom Aliff, uh, risk consulting leader at Equifax, and it was a pleasure to have you on, man. Cheers. Yeah. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the main course for straight to the point business insights. 